Welcome, I'm Julie Bacon, and you're listening to the Mindset Coaching for Handlers podcast, a podcast for dog handlers who are on a mission to achieve big goals. I will share lessons, insights, personal stories, and tools you can apply during your next show, trial, or test to help you strengthen your mental game and hopefully cue more consistently. So if you are ready to improve your competitive mindset, get out of your own way, and connect with your dog like never before, then it's time to get comfy, bring an open mind, and work your mindset. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. All right, this week we're going to talk a little bit about visualizing, but in the context of when things goes wrong, when things go wrong, okay? And yes, before you roll your eyes, I know I'm always trying to get you to visualize and really do it with, you know, feeling and emotion, stickiness and all that other kind of stuff. Um, but this week I'm going to take a lighter approach. So don't turn this off yet. Um, I Because I really want to talk about having a plan or visualizing, really imagining, let's say it that way, um, for when things go wrong or when you think you might need a plan B. Okay. And I think this, again, this applies for every ring. This applies for all of our dogs, because we all know that the best laid plans, you know, sometimes don't go as we imagine them or as we plan for them. Um, but the other thing about this that I don't want to get confused, it's really important, is just because you have a plan B doesn't mean you are planning to fail. Okay. And I think that's really important. And one of the ways that we keep that from happening, okay, is we make sure that we have spent ample time focused on all the ways you want it to work, all the ways you want it to go down, the visualization and the rehearsing, the mentally rehearsing the ideal situation. Okay. Too often handlers kind of skim over that part. Even the ones who say they do it are kind of skimming. Okay. I've skimmed. Absolutely. I've like, I got it. I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what my plan is. And the truth is, is what happens is, is when we visualize what we want to happen in the ring, okay? So let's say I'm doing a novice obedience like p- pattern and I'm just going to do a, an L um, healing pattern, okay? So you're going down, you're turning, let's say to the left, you're doing an about turn, you're turning right, you're coming back, one more right turn and a halt, okay? Very common, all right? If I imagine that, if I spend time imagining it going really right, and I spend time imagining um, my dog in the position next to me, and they're being very attentive, whether they have direct eye contact, or they're just like really in that position. And, you know, we go to that first turn, and we make a left turn, and they're right next to me. And the judge says fast, and we go fast. And normal and we go normal and about turn and they're really tight, you know, turning around me. And then we do a slow and it's, you know, beautiful and in step and, you know, we um, do normal and they're, they're right in that great heel at heel position, a right turn. Judge says halt. We halt. It's like butter. It's so pretty, right? 
Now, when I walk you through that, even if you don't do obedience, you can imagine your dog being right in next to you, right in that, you know, in that heel position on your left leg. Um, you can imagine them, you know, are they looking up at you? You're probably picturing your own dog. You're probably even imagining a place where you've done that, whether it's outside at a draft test or on a beach for a water test, or it's inside in an obedience trial or something like that. Um, and, um, you're probably adding your own experiences to that. Okay. So in that moment, I just imagined everything going beautifully. Okay. I skipped through it a little quick, but, um, you know, we're on a podcast. So, um, um, but, but I imagined everything going really well. And the thing is, is a couple things happen. First of all, I made a lot of assumptions in doing that. Okay. I didn't really imagine supporting my dog. I just was more imagining the pattern itself versus the support I needed to give or the handling I needed to do or my footwork or what have you. Okay. Yes, I'm doing that a little bit because of the podcast, but I'm also doing that because that's typically how people visualize. They visualize just like kind of the run through, right? Just going to run through it real quick in my head, just so I know where I'm going and I know where my dog's going to be. And yeah, they're going to be right next to me. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. Well, a lot of times when I ask the handlers to really pay attention and really do it more slowly or visualize in real time, they get to a part where things might go wrong. And they think, oh my God, I always lose them on that about turn or that about turn and that ring is so distracting. They're going to look outside the ring and then they stop. They will stop visualizing. They just stop the exercise and they think about the ways that it can go wrong. Well, what I want to insert here and the thing I want to make sure that we're spending time on is I want you to spend more time imagining it going right than wrong, of course. But if you really believe that, um, or it is highly likely, let me say it that way, that when you get to that about turn, that your dog will be distracted, my question to you is, well, what's your plan? And that plan needs to be part of your visualization, right? That plan of making sure that, all right, well, before I get there, then I need to really look down and, and pick up my dog, as it's sometimes called, and really make sure I've got eye contact or I've got, you know, their attention or, you know, in that ring, I probably can make a noise or sniff my nose or something like that to like make sure I have my dog's attention as I make that turn. Now we're getting somewhere, right? Now it's not necessarily like a plan B in that there was a catastrophe. It's just a plan to make sure that in a particular area, your dog is going to need extra support. Or maybe you're going to need extra support, all right? Maybe there's a part of your agility course that is hard for you to remember because there's two jumps sort of next to each other and they're both red, whatever, okay? So when we make our plans, I don't... I. I don't want us to think that things are going to go wrong, but I also don't want us to just skim over the fact that there could be areas where we need extra support or we need a plan B. For instance, when I walk agility courses, I always walk them the way I want to run them, but there's often an area where I'm like, well, am I going to get there in time? And if you run agility, that sentence makes sense to you, you know, but is my timing going to be such that I'm going to be in the right place? Um, am I going to get there 
If I don't get there, can I do something else instead? And this is where you might see handlers walk something multiple times or walk it different ways um, just so that they know what that plan B or C or D or E or F feels like and could look like, okay? That's kind of the same thing that we need to apply to all of our rings and something that I do apply when I walk even a rally course, all right? I have a big dog and in rally courses are often very tight for us. So not only am I walking for the signs, the plan, like what I have to do, I'm also walking for where do I need to be? Like if I stop right at the sign, that's going to put me in an awkward place for the next sign, for instance, right? If I watch an obedience run through or like the judge does the walkthrough or something, or I watch a handler in front of me, I think about, well, what about my dog? What's my plan? Okay. If that's not going to work for me, like the way that border collie just did that is not going to work for my Bernese mountain dog. What am I going to do differently? All right. And sometimes it's like, yeah, that's not going to happen for me at all. Right. Running agility, we get used to this, right? We get used to watching other dogs for information, but also knowing that our dogs run differently, right? Or we have to make a different plan. But I, I, and I also see a lot that people who do a lot of different events don't necessarily carry those habits over from ring to ring. Um, Recently, one of my clients who does run agility, who also does draft, who also does obedience and other things, you know, was kind of having trouble coming up with kind of a plan B in the draft ring. And it was kind of, it was, it was a reminder to me that the skill that she had in agility, she was sort of compartmentalizing over in agility and not really thinking about how that skill of having a plan B um, needed to happen. And so in that way, then we also need to rehearse or plan for, well, multiple things could happen here at X, for instance. So my plan is for it to go with plan A and it's going to be beautiful and this is what's going to happen. But if B happens at, at this, at X marks the spot here, then this is what I'm going to do. Or if my dog makes a mistake, then this is what I'm going to do. And I think that having those plan Bs or in case of emergency plans or, you know, in case the wheels fall off plans um, are really empowering, right? And really can give us confidence and work to build our confidence as handlers, all right. It's not just sticking our head in the sand and imagining everything's going to be perfect. It's also being realistic about what could happen in the ring and being prepared. Because I think that when we're not prepared for, let's call them alternate outcomes, okay? When we're not prepared for those alternate outcomes, sometimes we get caught flat-footed, we get surprised, we sort of just stand there and stare at our dogs, we can't believe something's happening, Um, we don't recover the way that we would like to recover or that we would have recovered had we thought that this was a possibility. Um, Now, I've definitely come out of the ring and, and said out loud, I never even thought of that as a possibility. Okay. So that's going to happen. There, you're not going to be able to see all the possibilities, right? But I think when we do start to think about what are the different things that could happen here, there, and everywhere, and we start to plan for things or start to train for those outcomes, 
we get a little faster on our feet, we get a little faster in our thinking, we get a little better in our response, we're able to react with plan B just like right away, it becomes, you know, it's, it's handy, right? Because it's a tool that we've practiced. So when it comes to visualizing and thinking about, you know, what could go wrong as much as what could, or not as much, a little less than (laughs) what could go right. I think when we look at like some of those elite handlers, their flexibility, their, uh, um, their ability to sort of roll with a new plan to, to, you know, just kind of respond to what's happening in the ring makes them better, more successful, more resilient handlers than just planning for one way, one outcome, you know, one plan, and um, then not being able to react, right? Which is where a lot of us are as handlers, right? You know, the, the difference is, you know, elite handlers have a lot more miles, usually on them. They've been in a lot more rings. They've done it a lot more times. They, they have more recovery strategies or they've just seen it. They've just, they've had more things happen to them. And so in their little memory banks are these other tricks and responses that they can pull out if something alternate, let's say happens. Okay. But I do think it is worthwhile, you know, bringing into your plans, the likelihood of you being able to achieve it, whatever your plan is, your dog and where they are in that today, where you are, you know, mentally today as you walk into that ring Um, and thinking and kind of incorporating all of those aspects when you walk into the ring. All right. Um, I think that's all really, really important. Okay. So as you're making your plan, then, you know, think about, you know, I guess if the formula, if I was going to make you do a formula, I'd be like, think about, you know, run through it five times perfectly, but then have, you know, make sure that you have some alternate plans for when things don't go perfectly. Another version of this, which um, happens in every ring, but you see it a lot in agility, is that let's say a dog has a bar down somewhere. And so you've automatically NQ'd because at any level, you know, you cannot have a bar. And then what the handler does is then they go, they try something hard that they wouldn't normally do in competition, right? And I love this way of thinking. And I have often thought of that myself um, because you get to a point in the course and you're like, okay, well, we end cute. So like, what am I going to do differently? I'm going to go for the harder turn. I'm going to go for the harder side change. I'm going to go for the the reverse spin or the, you know, the Japanese or, you know, all these other things things that we don't try because we're going for the cue. Um, But when the cue's off the table, what is it that we can try? And I think that you could do the same thing in the other rings too. And, you know, again, in draft, for instance, um, a lot of us leave our dogs in stands when we go to wait. And if you have a young dog and you know that for sure they've already enqueued, maybe you try the stand that day. Maybe you work on another portion of it because you're already in the ring, you might as well figure it out. Well, if you haven't thought about that before you got there, you might not think of that alternative, 
right? You might not think of it in agility to like, you know, try the hardest turn, or you might not think of it in draft to, you know, do the training option or, you know, another move in rally where you're going to, um, cue them with only a hand signal instead of a hand and a voice, or you're going to talk to them less or something like that, right? You're going to have to use your imagination and apply to your ring as you see fit. And so I want to encourage you when you are making your plan to make a few plans and consider other options. It is not to entertain failure, okay? And I want to, again, make that distinction. It's not to entertain failure. It is to make you a more responsive and resilient handler. And that is a mental skill, okay? That is a mindset performance skill. It, it definitely belongs in our conversations in this bucket of, you know, mindset performance. Because again, the elite handlers are able to, quote, think on their feet. And of course, it make, they make it look so effortless, all right? But it's not effortless. It is years of practice, lots of experience, and having alternate plans in case this happens or that happens or it just doesn't work the way they are thinking it will work. All right. And we want to all have that kind of flexibility in our mind and in our execution so that we are able to entertain and respond to alternate options. Okay. And again, once we think about it as just alternate options and alternate ways that this could unfold, it's also a lot less emotional and a lot less stressful when something doesn't go as planned. It also says that especially if you if you if something happens in the ring that you know is an immediate failure, like a knocked bar or you know something, you also have a plan of how to make the most out of your run or how to make the most out of your run investing in your future runs for next time, right? Because we're always even in the best runs or the worst runs or whatever, we're, we're setting a framework or we're having an experience that will color the next time we walk into the ring, whether it's just us or whether it's that dog and us. So we want to make sure that we're always working toward the future, right? So um, think that through also. So this is your your podcast <laughs> to have you really start to push yourself especially if you're not doing this already, but to really start pushing yourself and think of some alternate plans. And um, the other way to, to do this exercise is to just, you know, play the what if game, you know, maybe you've already run for the day and now you want to look at the course and be like, well, what are three other ways I could have handled that? Or what would I do in obedience if I started to lose my dog's attention? Or um, what, what's another way that I could have executed that or handled that? And again, it doesn't have to be from a negative. It can be from this really positive, proactive feedback. You know, maybe even you're looking at video and you're like, oh, I know I could have done this. I could have done that. Um, because once you start thinking about in, in your head that way and you start entertaining options and alternatives, your brain will start to look for those options and alternatives in the moment when you need them. So if this is not something you feel like you're, quote, good at, 
A, you're being, you're having a fixed mindset moment. Um, you can develop the skill. Um, but yeah, start like working on it. Start working at entertaining options, entertaining other ways to execute something that may be a little out of your comfort zone, whether you do it in the ring or whether you do it as homework or whether you do it after the fact. You know, a lot of people, they're like, "Ah, I don't feel comfortable about doing that this weekend. I'm going to do the comfortable thing this weekend. Great. Well, then when you're done, what would have been the uncomfortable thing? What would have been the growth thing to do? Okay. Or what would have been the training thing to do? You know, how can you be investing in your future in your next run or in the run after that? Okay. All right. So that is your challenge, I guess, this week is really to start thinking and planning um, for options and visualizing that and, and really, you know, it's a really kind of a mental agility thing, not agility, the dog sport, but agility in like how you think, um, and really getting good at understanding different options and being prepared for those possibilities. And the more you're prepared, the more comfortable you'll be that if something happens, you won't freak, right? There's that momentary panic in your head that you, it might just be immediate like, oh, that didn't go right. Here's what I'm going to do. Instead of like, oh, that didn't go right. Now it's all over, (laughs) right? Now the wheels are off kind of a thing. Okay. So again, that's your challenge for the weekend. Really think about um, some alternatives. Even if you run the course perfectly and it's beautiful, how could you run it differently? What could you have done differently? What do you want to learn? What do you want to push yourself? Um, always be pushing, always be giving yourself alternatives and options and other ways to handle something. Okay. Well, no matter what you're doing this weekend, I hope you have a fantastic week with your dog and I'll talk to you next time. Thanks so much for listening to the Mindset Coaching for Handlers podcast with me, Julie Bacon. I am so grateful for your precious time. I would love it if you found me on Instagram or Facebook at The Q Coach and let me know how it's going. I also offer a monthly membership that's perfect for ongoing support of your awesome goals. Check out theqcoach.com for details or just stop by and check out the blog and other free content. And finally, be sure to share, subscribe, and leave a review as it helps us podcasters tremendously. Plus, I know I get my best podcast recommendations from friends. Thanks and have a great week with your dogs.